Hi, my name is Abigail Kima, host and producer of a climate podcast called Hali Hewa, spotlighting African experts and activists. What you're about to listen to is episode five, uh, where we are speaking to Sofanit Mesfin, who is a gender specialist at Triple Effect. Uh, we dive deep into the issue of the gender and the climate crisis, uh, drawing from my experience visiting communities in the western part of Kenya who are women farmers and are doing a lot to ensure that they actually adapt to the impacts of climate change. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Halihewa podcast with your host Abigail Kima. This podcast brings together key African players in the climate space to simply share their stories and their experiences as they advocate for climate justice in their unique capacities. Before I introduce our guest today, kindly support us by subscribing, liking and sharing our content with your family and friends and your colleagues and for the audio version of the podcast find us on spotify anchor and apple podcast and for the videos you can find us on youtube and for regular updates on social media you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at halihewa podcast on all social media platforms today on set we have an amazing guest by the name sofanit mesfin from ethiopia join us and let us learn more about what she does the gender specialist working at the regional gender and social inclusion coordinator at Ripple Effect, formerly known as Senda Cow. Ripple Effect works with smallholder farmers to equip them with knowledge and skills, enabling them to improve their livelihoods and to thrive. Farmers working alongside Ripple Effect learn more, grow more, and sell more. They can feed their families nutritious food and by having a surplus to sell can invest in their farms, send their children to school and build sustainable agribusiness. Welcome to the Halihewa podcast of Asin. It is very lovely to have you as a guest today. Thank you for having me. It's, been, it's a pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pleasure too. Um, so we've had conversations earlier on before, and this is luckily not our first time having a conversation. And I have learned a thing or two about the work that you do with the women farmers in uh, across different Afri- African countries. So um, kindly tell us more about yourself and your work. And did you always want to work in the climate space? And what exactly inspires you to work? on climate issues and is there anything that you're really passionate about yeah so thank you uh, as you have already mentioned my name is Sofanit Mesfin and I'm the regional gender, gender and social inclusion coordinator so my my work is mainly related to improving the gender inequalities in rural Africa so I work on uh, uh, gender uh, bringing gender transformation, sustainable gender transformation, both at household and community level. So it is mainly, uh, our projects are mainly implemented in East Africa. So we work in six different countries, Ethiopia, Kenya, Burundi, Rwanda, Uganda, and we also work uh, through partners in Zambia. 
So my my work is my main work is mainly related to gender issues and resolving the gender inequalities that exist at the ground level. So when it comes to climate, it's not as such I was uh, inspired uh, to work on climate, but uh, climate change is something that affects everyone. So uh, my inspiration related to the climate change, it comes from uh, after observing how the climate crisis affected rural women in Africa. So I've seen the impact of climate change uh, on women and men and of course boys and girls, but I did see that it has uh, it has impacted the women and girls, and it does impact women and girls disproportionately. So that's uh, from that's how I become inspired about the climate change. Oh, great! Such an uh, inspirational story, and it must be very interesting to work with rural women because I luckily had an experience with them about a week ago, and I can tell just how passionate they are about really making. Uh, a living for their families through farming. And so when we talk about the gender and climate crisis, um, UN Women has said that gender inequality coupled with the climate crisis is one of the greatest challenges of our time. And it not only poses threat to the way of lives and livelihoods, but also has an impact on the health, the safety and the security for women and girls around the world. And when we speak about climate change and gender, we often hear that the impacts of climate change affects all gender differently, but that a disproportionate burden is being borne by women. So is this something that resonates with you? And is this what you have personally seen in the course of your work? Uh, when we say that women are disproportionately affected by the impacts of climate change, what exactly does that mean? And have you actually experienced that in your work? Yeah, so um, yes, I did experience that in my work. And when we say it uh, disproportionately affects women and girls, you know, as uh, as you can imagine, many of the women in the rural area are completely dependent on their natural resources, but they do have a limited access and control over those natural resources. So for example, women are highly dependent on water, land, and also other natural resources, but with a very limited access and also control over those natural resources. So because of these existing gender inequalities and because of the low decision-making power when it comes to women in the rural area, they will be disproportionately affected by the climate crisis. So, <clears throat> so this is one of the one of the way how they will be impacted disproportionately by the climate crisis. The other one is whenever climate crisis happens, for example, if drought happens, there will be migration. So when when people are forced to migrate, it's mainly the men that will migrate. So this will force the women to be at home and care, taking care of the whole family. If there are children, they will be responsible for the children. If there are elders in that in that home, they will be responsible to take care of those elders. So there will be a high workload on women during migration. And even if they are, even if they might they're not going to migrate by, by themselves. If there are children, they need to take care of those children while even in the course of migration. So this is another way that they will be impacted by the climate crisis disproportionately. And related to health, you know, for example, if they don't, if there is a shortage, a shortage of water or lack of access to water, you know, most of the reproductive health issues are related to hygiene and sanitation, you know, if, so if the women are pregnant and if also related to girls and menstruation, so there are different ways they will be impacted 
by the climate crisis, which might not be the same case for men and boys. So this is also another way that they will be impacted by it disproportionately. The other way, the other, uh, the other thing is, you know, most of the farmers are dependent on the agriculture. So whenever there is a climate crisis and when that hits, you will need to have different alternative income resources. So the women do also have a limited access when it comes to different uh, income resources. So they will be disproportionately impacted by it because of the lack of diversified income. And even if they are participating on different income resources, because they're not deciding on the income that will be generated from different, uh, different businesses, so they will be impacted by it disproportionately. So these are some of the ways that they will be impacted by climate crisis disproportionately. It could be either directly or indirectly. Uh, they will be indirectly disproportionately impacted by it. Yeah, um, great. That, that is quite an insightful um, um, description of how women are directly impacted by the impacts of climate change. And uh, a few weeks ago, I actually experienced um, being in a community where the men have actually migrated in search of pasture and water for their livestock because it it's a community that practices pastoralism as a main source of livelihood. And you can really tell that women have had now to step up and really try and find means of providing for their children because they have children who are still going to school. They need to put food on the table and the situation is really terrible because of the drought situation. And then you've also spoken about the health the health problems that women experience, especially with hygiene and sanitation during, you know, their menstrual cycles. And when there's no access to water, it means it actually puts them at a very bad situation. And I also actually got to experience that thanks to Ripple Effect because I had an opportunity to speak to, to women and they brought these issues quite clearly. So, um, and then um, in our conversation earlier, you talked about intersectionality. So, we have gender and then there is the attributes or the qualities that goes beyond the gender aspect. So how do you deal with the intersectionality? For example, there's a woman and apart from having a woman, she's also a person living with disabilities. So how do you handle that in the work that you do? Yeah, so when the related to intersectionality, you know, the more the intersectionality increases in a way, you know, if you're a woman, that's one thing, mm -hmm. but when you are a woman with disability, and if you are a young woman with disability, you will have mm -hmm. a very limited access to information and a very limited access over uh, natural resources and control over natural resources. So in our work, we try to make uh, our work as inclusive as possible, you know, try to make all different training materials, informations in our work and try to adapt mm -hmm. it so that people with different disabilities are able to access our work and are able to participate and engage fully uh, in our work. So we'll try to, uh, we have tried to adapt our work to be more inclusive. And we, mm -hmm. I do also believe that the climate crisis will impact these people as the inter intersectionality increase. So if you are a woman with disabilities, there is a likely chance that your access to different information and mitigation mm -hmm. and adaptation techniques and knowledge and skills will be limited. So we take into that account in our work and everything that we do will try to be more inclusive in our work. Yeah, yeah. And I think inclusivity is such an important aspect when, when dealing with these issues because, again, um, we do realize that 
very different situations are different for different people in that you can't really have one specific way of doing thing, doing things when we know our experiences are, are so different among us communities so i think that's a very important thing to do uh so i've kept talking about my experience in the rural part of western kenya which was quite an interesting one and having conversations with women uh so we traveled about uh 2 weeks ago to the rural part of Kenya called Busia and Bungoma uh to speak to rural women about their experiences and the impacts of climate change and how it has affected them how it has affected their sources of livelihoods and exactly what they're doing to cope with the changing climate and with the changing situations that they fo- they found themselves in now uh owing to the climate crisis and so um I was speaking to the women I noticed that they've actually taken it upon themselves to run about the different technologies that are helping them adapt to the changing climate and one interesting thing was that they actually organize themselves on weekly basis and meet and hold each other accountable and are actually coming together to you know imp- improve their lives um so um most of these women have actually undergone training facilitated by Repolifect formerly Sender Cow so what is it like work, working with these women uh, in the rural areas, areas and how do you conduct the training yeah so what we do with women is first of all we target you know 65% of our target beneficiaries are women and we do that deliberately because that's one of the ways that you will create access so if we need to directly target women and we also have a specific target for people with disabilities and young people and that's the whole uh concept of inclusion so it starts from targeting and whenever we conduct training we make sure that the trainings are accessible for women so we choose times that are convenient for rural women and we also are very conscious of our, the way we do trainings making sure that everyone can understand our training and that means also include uh seeing the inclusive aspect of giving training and demonstrating different parts of our training for example if there are people with hearing impairments we'll try to hire uh people that have experience of interpreting you know for people with hearing impairment or if there are people with visual impairment you'll try to speak uh, at the training so that people with different issues can understand us and apply the knowledge that we are giving so one of the things that we do related to training is making it more accessible for rural women and we try to also to give training in a way using the using a very illiterate friendly training materials because most of the rural women are illiterate so we try to make our trainings practical as possible so that they can understand it easily and that's also another way of doing our training and we also uh we also combine our training with experience sharing visits so that makes it more practical and effective so, so these are some of the things and techniques that we use for training rural women on different issues including climate crisis Yeah. Um then I must say you guys are doing a really amazing job because I also come from a community of farmers and just being in those farms uh was was also a mode of learning for me because of the different technologies and those women are actually very passionate about this and you can tell clearly that it has quite it has been quite transformative when it comes to increasing food production and also diversification of the kind of crops that they've been planting because climate change has also for example one one woman talked about how she used to plant maize for two seasons but because of climate change she can only plant for one season so during the other periods she she 
you know, changes and plants something different on her farm. For example, groundnuts, and it's still bringing income to her house, and she can take her kids to school, and she can also put food on the table. And um, when having conversations with these women, um, an interesting fact came up, which you've actually talked about. So, um, for example, when it comes to the issue of water shortages, um, they talked about how they had to travel, they have to wake up in the middle of the night to go get water because during that time there are no long queues. So number one, that poses a, an issue of security for the women and the young girls because now they have to go fetch water with their daughters. And then another issue that came up was the fact that uh, it is also bringing conflict in the homes, being that when there's when there's no water, it means uh, there's hardly enough water to take a bath, especially for the men. And then there's also the issue where their clothes are actually not clean because of you know shortage of water. So they said that in such situations, you find women will actually be beaten because uh, it the men come off as, or rather they're misunderstood. Uh, because of of the situation so have you actually dealt with an issue of gender-based violence uh, related to the, the the problems the impacts of climate change and how have you dealt with it in your in your work yeah so i'm glad you brought this yeah so one of the things is related to gender-based violence you know which is mm-hmm. which is not something that you would think about when you think about climate change or you know access to limited water resources but like you have exactly mentioned and uh, as you have heard it from the rural women it's something that occurs so in our work what we do is we will try uh, we do try to change the gender gender relation at household level so we have our own tool called transformative household methodology that was developed mm-hmm. by ripple effect so we implement this tool and this is a very powerful tool that's uh that opens dialogue between family members. So as a result of this tool, one of the things that will happen is we will try to change the gender roles within the household. So to be more specific related to this uh, issue, for example, related to the water uh, water issue. So that we will try to conduct that tool so that the men and the boys will be engaged also in collecting water. You know, the reason mm-hmm. is it's because only the women and the girls that are doing this. So yeah. if, so after implementing that tool and pre- creating that uh, gender transformation, the, the men will help out also in uh, in collecting waters and the girls and the boys will also help out in that way. So that's one of the ways that we will address this issue. The other ways we also work on developing springs so that we can make the water more accessible and near to the houses. But before even uh, developing a spring, it doesn't matter if you develop the spring near to the houses, we need to tackle the gender issues because we need everyone to equally participate on different household chores. And that's one of the things that we do to combat the gender-based violence. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, uh, that's quite an interesting tool. And uh, uh, honestly, just being in these communities and understanding exactly what you're doing with them is quite inspirational. And uh, I feel like everyone should actually, you know, follow you and see exactly what you're doing and get a clear understanding of of the conversation of climate change and gender crisis and how it's affecting women and also the things that we can learn from you based on what you're doing to actually bring transformation in our communities when it comes to gender and the climate crisis. And um, 
uh, finally, um, as we wrap up on this segment, um, when we were having conversations with these women, towards the end, we'd ask them what uh, they'd want to see done differently, uh, either from the government or world leaders, because also explaining what COP27 is was a bit challenging. But now we uh, talked about you know the local governments, the the MCAs, the county governments that is easy is easy for them to understand and one of the things that they talked about was the importance of education and calling the government to actually bring more technology and tools that they can equip themselves to ensure that they increase their food production and so they said um not every person has been educated uh, under ripple effect because again we understand capacity issues but then they said maybe if the government comes through they can have more people getting educated so that the entire community can be transformed and you know when a community is transformed it means also the entire country will have an increase in the food production and it will bring bring about food security so with the work that you do with these communities across different countries because i understand i i do understand that uh your experiences say in ethiopia is also very different from your experiences in kenya and say rwanda and burundi which is where you work so what kind of support would you say you need from governments or other stakeholders to ensure that more and more people are getting educated and are getting equipped with the skills necessary to improve their lives, uh, especially those that practice agric- agriculture. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'll start from, uh, you know, the support from the government. I think it should start from having that gender lens when it comes mm-hmm. to the climate crisis and the agriculture. So we need to see that the, the gender perspective in the rules and the regulations and in the policies, you know, mm-hmm. and we need to have that understanding that not everyone will be impacted equally by the climate crisis. So people will be impacted by the same case in a different way because of the existing gender relation, because of the culture, because of the uh, practice in the rural Africa. So I would start from that. And I would also agree with the rural women is that knowledge is power. So we need to educate everyone on related to this issue and also uh, introduce agricultural technologies which are safe for the environment, but are accessible mm-hmm. by for everyone. You know, sometimes we can introduce different agricultural technologies. And if these technologies are not women friendly, you know, if women mm-hmm. cannot access them and operate them, there is no point of introducing these agricultural technologies. So mm-hmm. if you introduce some agricultural technologies that will increase the food production, you need to make sure that people with different disabilities are able to access and operate this technology. So these things should be dealt with from the government's perspective. And I'll also add that we need uh, we need support from the government to make the natural resources more accessible, you know, the water. So it's mm-hmm. something that it should be taken into account and also mm-hmm. work on policies and regulations related to land, you know, in most of the Eastern Africa, I could say specifically for Uganda and Ethiopia, there is uh, there is issue when it comes to land ownership and deciding on land related to women. So that's something that the government should take into account and work mm-hmm. on. So these are some of the things that, uh, that we need support from the government and other stakeholders. Yeah, so partnership and collaboration with the government is such an important aspect to ensure that you know, we are building capacity and reaching everyone that should be reached to ensure that we all transform the society. Um, so thank you so much for 
that's very insightful um, information about what you do at Ripple Effect and the things that we could also do to support your work. And if we want to have a conversation with you or if we want to reach you, say we want to conduct tra- training in a different part of Kenya because I understand you're only situated in Western Kenya and but you're looking to expand to other parts and the issue of resources comes about. So what kind of, of or, I mean, if we want to reach you, where can we find you? Yeah, so uh, we have our website, uh, rippleeffect.com. You can reach us there. We are available on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Mm -hmm. So you can find us and get connected with us uh, in the social media as well. Okay, I will be sure to leave the links on the description bar once this episode is out. Uh, So moving on to the very last segment of, of, of this podcast and... Um, we know throughout the, the, the series of this podcast, we've been asking our guests what their call to action for COP27 is. And it's actually around the corner in a month's time or two. No, a month's time. Uh, so what would you say are your call to action for COP27 from an African perspective uh, with regards to gender issues and the climate crisis? What do you want to see the world leaders deliver with regards to the work that you do with the women and, and gender in general? Yeah, so I think uh, from Africa's point of view, you know, in a very general way, I think that finance is a major issue. So we will need to see the climate finance being implemented and we will need the financial and technical support from the developing uh, from the developed countries to the developing countries, because developing Mm -hmm. countries will be focusing on climate adaptation technique and we will need the finance and technical support in order to implement this. And from the gender perspective, we need to see and we need to, uh, I would personally will need to see decisions related to climate change, keeping in mind that this thing will affect different people, uh, different parts of the societies differently. So I would mm-hmm. need to see uh, the gender lens, the inclusion aspect related to all the decisions that will be made related to climate change. And that, and the third thing is, I think water and agriculture is very essential. So uh, my hope, you know, and uh, I will uh, I will be looking forward to see decisions related to COP27, related to making water more accessible, introducing safe agricultural technologies so that we can increase food production in Africa and giving mm-hmm. the adequate financial and technical support from developed countries so that we can combat uh, climate change in general and make this planet a better place to live. Yeah, absolutely. And there is nothing as important as water and having accessibility to, you know, to to water because water is life and also accessibility to food, which I know is becoming such a big problem for Africa. And we are all looking to be secure when it comes to food. And uh, I've really learned a lot uh, through my experience with the women and also speaking to you over the couple of months that we were in conversations. And I do hope to see you in Egypt if you are going to be there. And uh, I look forward to collaborating more with you as we go. So thank you so much for being such a lovely guest on the podcast. And uh, for the viewers and the listeners, I hope that um, you will subscribe to our channel so that you can get more insightful conversations around the issues of climate and gender and everything else that is coming up along the way. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much.